Hello, and welcome to the On Time Autism Intervention Podcast, a podcast for parents of children three and younger, dedicated to providing accurate information about autism, autism intervention, and guidance for your new path. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Washington's On-Time Autism Intervention, or OTAI. We're a collaborative project led by the UW's Autism Center and Herring Center for Inclusive Education. Our work is supported by the Seattle Foundation and aims to increase equitable access to timely diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder and evidence-based intervention for young children and their families. We are so glad you're here. All right. Welcome back to the on-time autism intervention podcast. We are super lucky today because we have a mom joining us. Shay is going to talk with us today about her experience accessing and starting ABA services for her child. Welcome Shay. Hi. Hi, Thanks Shay. So much. Thanks for being here, Shay. This is so exciting. Oh, and we, our listeners always love it when we have parents on. So, um, it's just, it's just really, we appreciate your time. We really appreciate you being here and talking with us. So yeah, like Ashley said, we want to hear, you know, and our listeners want to hear, um, about your process sort of after diagnosis. Um, do you remember the first steps you took the first therapies you looked into, you know, how you landed in ABA? Yeah. So when my son was first diagnosed, um, I didn't know what ABA was. I've never heard of it. Um, I heard about play based therapy, um, occupational therapy, of course, and speech, and then, um, putting him into an early education preschool once he hit that age, cause he was only three years old when he was diagnosed. And, um, when I asked the psychologist about ABA, he just said, you know, it's applied behavioral analyst. I mean, it's, they'll help him with his behavior. You can call around. These are the ones they recommended. Um, he recommended two. So when I went home, um, I kind of tried to just digest everything that I just learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really overwhelming because when I first went in, I didn't think that my son would be needing all of those services because he never really had any behavioral problems. I thought it was maybe like a little bit of speech delay. So when I saw occupational therapy, this, this many hours, this many hours, um, it scared me. Mm -hmm. It was pretty, it sounds like it was pretty daunting and overwhelming. What, what, how did you work through that? I mean, what Um, was your process? I have a very good support system. I have a very strong family and my sister was the first person I called um, because she was the one who pushed me to get him evaluated because, um, I was trying to get him evaluated before and they kept saying, no, he's fine. Just high IQ children with very high IQ shows share similarities with children with autism, but something never felt right. I was like, no, I really think he's on a spectrum. So I called her, um, and she's, she's amazing. I, I'm so lucky to have her. Um, she told me about ABA and she told me to be very careful. She says there is very good ABA, but she's like, it's very hard to find. Interesting though, Jay. So, so you, you were hesitant and then you talked to a family member and your sister had had good experience around ABA. And she sounds like she's the one that encouraged you to explore, but also to look for, to, for, to, to be discerning, to find high quality ABA. Yeah. So she's yeah, like, awesome. Interview them, make sure they're right. Cause she's like, not all ABA is actually, ABA is actually, it's amazing, amazing when you find the right one. 
a friend of hers, a good friend of hers is a special needs attorney, I believe. And she also told my sister, um, I mean, she had to tell me to be very careful. And they said with everything, they said also with speech and OT, they said, when it comes to therapies, be very, very careful and make sure that um, just from what I got for them, that they're not focusing so much on the science behind the therapies, but also realizing these are human beings and they need to be treated as such. That's so well said. So what happened when you started looking into ABA? I fell down this sad little hole. And because when you Google it and you go on YouTube, you see like the one of the YouTube I saw um, was good ABA versus bad ABA. And as a parent, what we tend to do is even though she listed some good things, the bad things really stood out. And so that scared me. So and then I forgot about all the good things. Mm-hmm. And then what I did was I took those bad things and I researched them more. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw so many websites and articles, Reddit things, just saying ABA does this. They, you know, they want to create these children to... Um, be more, I guess, digestible for neurotypical people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not fair. Um, so, but, so going on, going on the internet on your own to look for information about ABA sounds like it was, um, that didn't, that, that, that made you more nervous, made you more nervous because there were examples of things that were kind of frightening and, yeah. and things. Yeah. I hear that. I, I totally hear that a lot. Um, so, so how did you, I mean, you, you landed in an ABA that was good. So how, tell us a little bit about, um, about that. What changed your mind about ABA? So I, I went back on to YouTube and I saw, and I saw this one mom and she lives in the UK and she was talking about ABA services that she had. And she said she went to one and then she said, no, my son didn't feel comfortable there because he didn't want to go in. And she's like, no matter what, if my son, I, I know my son, I know when he's scared. So and I was like, no, this is not for him. And I found another one. And she said, it felt like family. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, baby, they come, they cook together. Um, they play together. She's like, you don't even realize this therapy. It's almost like his aunt's there or his big sister or something is there. And I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept calling around and I couldn't find every, um, the places that I spoke to, I think I called four, pl- four places before I called this one. Um, they were all suggesting well, not suggesting they're all saying that they wanted to reduce stimming. And when I asked him, I was like, um, that's my son's way of communicating. I don't want to stop his stimming. When he flaps, he's happy. I mean, the harder he flaps, the happier he is. <laughs> he's on his running on his little toes, it's the cutest thing because he likes that pressure and he's excited about something. And when he sits by me and we rock together, that's love. I mean, that's him showing, you know, mommy, I want affection. I don't want to stop that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if it's not harmful, why? Oh, there was one guy like, asked me if it's not harmful, why are we trying to stop it? He said, because it makes it easier for teacher and people's or people around him to um, makes it easier for them in the classroom. He's not a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, no, that's yeah. Not, a yeah, not, not what you want to hear. Maybe. Jay, I love that you had all these questions kind of, you know, like, like it just, it just sounds like you kind of went into these conversations with these potential practices pretty prepared. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's really impressive. I, I am, I'm impressed that you knew to ask all those questions. Um, so, so you, then you landed on somebody who answered in a way that felt comfortable. It sounds like. Yeah. And when yeah. I found her, I was already angry. I was, um, not for ABA. I was at that point where I was going to tell people don't ever, like I was, 
it was a lot of emotions. I think what happens is as parents, when our children get diagnosed, there's so many emotions going through us that it's hard to regulate. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to separate that when you're trying to focus on getting your child help, there's just the emotions not the best of me. And um, a friend of mine, um, she works as a speech therapist. She recommended talking to um, her boss. So I spoke with her and she said that they offer ABA is your son ABA. I was like, no, you know, I'm not like, I'm just like, you should try talking to her. I was like, I'll see. So then like a few days went past. I was like, oh. but then I was like, you know what? Let me call. Cause my sister was in the back of my head, you know, like you find good BA, there is good ABA. Just look for it. Don't, you know, don't just stop because you had bad experiences. You just got to keep searching because it's going to be the, one of the best things for him. So and, what, what happened on that phone call? I'm so curious to know. Kind of, I don't know if she noticed, but I kind of, but I kind of felt like I was a jerk. So when I called, I was like, oh no, no way. I was like, hey, trying to take deep breaths because I'm like, I already know in my head it was because it was Eric. I was like, I already know what you're gonna say. You're gonna do things like one one of them told him that what they do is that they they'll drop his toy off the table and try to correct a behavior that he doesn't have. This was and, a place that you didn't go with. This yeah. is what you had heard in other phone I calls. Heard. And so, and that so this okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you were kind of expecting <laughs> that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, she's gonna stop his stimulation. She's like, no, she's like, one thing she said, it's straight up. She's like, she's like, we do not stop stimming. And then as soon as she said that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna listen. Mm. My ears just perked up and I was feeling a little better. And um, she was saying, you know, things like, you know, these, they're humans. We wanna make sure that they're a, what we wanna do is make sure that they're prepared for when they're going out there in the real world in the best way possible and prepare them in a way that's individualized for them. So not changing them, yeah. helping them navigate in their own way. So would you say, it almost sounds like she was maybe the first ABA provider you talked to who made you feel like your son was already a perfect human being. And the yeah. goal was just, how do we get him to learn the things he needs to learn and not worry about the things that you're not worried about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then she was even telling me that they're going to open like this um, facility, like on her side, like, you know, a sensory station where they're going to have bunnies and kids can play and meet each other. And I love- I want to go to that. <laughs> oh yeah. She's an amazing human. And I was just listening to her and then she's like, you know, um, we do have an opening. This person lives near you and they're in home. So one thing I forgot to mention was they were not in home. The AB places I called, they were not in home. Um, you would have to go down there and the parents could not go in. And that was a red flag for me. Cause I'm like, I have to see what you're doing with my child. And I need to mm-hmm. see how um, you're treating him and how he feels with you. I mean, yeah. at least for a couple of days, I get it. Cause this is during like COVID. I'm like, I get it. You know, um, if I can't, well, can I put like a camera in there or can you see that? Like, no, this has just always been our policy. I'm like, I don't trust anyone alone with my child, whether you're professional or not. Mm-hmm. I communicate. And he's a young I'm not gonna have you go anywhere yeah yeah and um with her she's like it's in home because she's like that's where children that's where we see um children growing and learning so she's like we want to teach them independence and the best place to learn is at home because we want the parents to learn as well Mm -hmm. and I love that because um you know I'm his advocate I'm an advocate for the rest of his life and I need to learn these things because you know I don't know if they're going to be around forever if they're going to leave and that's what happened with speech and OT I never got um, speech and OT until recently. So when she suggested that, um, you know, that they help the parents, they do parent coaching, 
and that you are there. They encourage the parents to be with, be there. Um, that made me really happy. That's great. Yeah. It sounds like a really good fit for your family. And we, we actually talked in our last episode about kind of the differences between clinic based and in home and, you know, finding the right fit for you. And I just love that you, you knew what was, what was right for you and for your, for your son and your family. And totally. Um, I mean, we talk about following your gut. I mean, in all, mm -hmm. in every, you know, parents know, and, and if you have some kind of spiny sense that something's not right, then you know, you need to follow that. So it sounds like you have definitely done that, Jay. And all along. Yeah. You're really yeah. good at that. That yeah. I, I really commend you for that. So tell us a little bit about what ABA sessions look like now for your son. They're wonderful. Um, my children get extremely excited. They run to the window, even my youngest who um, he doesn't have autism, but he gets excited. Um, they'll run down to the door. Um, he will just start running around and he's flapping. I'm like, it's going to fly away. He gets so excited. Oh, I love that. So cute. And, um, the first thing that they do when they come, they just, you know, get on down, they just put out their arms and, you know, give him an opportunity to come and he runs to them. He's not a good sign <laughs> unless it's like with me or like my husband or my mom, then he's like all over them. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's a huge thing for him in the beginning. When he first started, he didn't go to them for the first three days. He was in the corner, very quiet like this, um, with his hands folded or sometimes he'll put his hands over his ears and just sit very quiet. Um, was it, he was only saying about like a few words, like mama, milk, daddy, he wasn't even mm -hmm. talking as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I liked was that they just sat there and they were very sweet and they started playing with Legos on the floor, you know, they still acknowledged him. They didn't work ignoring him, but then they'd like look over at him and they'd wave and then he'd be there and he looked curious when every time they saw him um, come around, they acknowledged him and they waved and they would say hi and they would say his name and they'd like tap on the floor. Very sweet, just very sweet and gentle. Sounds very, yeah, gentle, very responsive to kind of what he was showing he was ready to do or not ready to do in those early days. Is yeah, that, not you forcing say it. Right? I mean, I yeah. think, I think it's really important to, to, yeah, to not force. And I often talk about that, like just, you know, if you're playing with toys and making it seem exciting, maybe the child will come over and be interested, but not, you know, not to force yeah. it. What are some things that you guys are working on now and how are you working on those? Like, and, and kind of things that are maybe important to your family. Um, now, oh my God, I had, when we first began, my only goal was for him to say things like, I want milk or I, you know, just so I can communicate, he struggled mm -hmm. communication. And, um, now he's like, I want this. I want that. No, I don't <laughs> want this. That is yucky. Um, he was very particular too, where, um, his tea would only be in a bare teacup. His orange juice would only be in this green cup. If I mixed them up, it was just, it was so hard. He wouldn't, he would not drink at all. And now he's like, put it in here, mom, just give me what I want. He's using so it's more flexible. He sounds like he's way more, he's yeah. more flexible way. And it's been barely a year. And this kid is using an air fryer. He's like, um, I want, um, corn dog, or he'll say, I want this. And then I'll give it to him. He'll give a little stool. And then we'll teach them how to put them in the air fryer. And one thing I liked was, um, one thing I tend to do, and I don't know if a lot of parents do this, I always want to get in there. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, they're like, no, 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 mom, let him, let him make the mistakes. It's mm -hmm. okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when he makes mistakes, I'm like, right. And they're like, don't even they're like, just be calm. They're like, Hey, it's okay. So it's very, mm-hmm. um, they helped me a lot as well. But like it was a therapy for me too. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing that. Now he puts his clothes in the laundry. Um, That's awesome. He's lost detergent privileges for, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> I a bubble bath and I was like, no, get out of I heard you guys had a pretty fun field trip. Can you talk a little bit about your yeah. ADA field trip that you had this week? Oh, this was wonderful. And this is why I like when the therapists are with the families, because these are real life situations that I need help with. And my son is obsessed with the water. Um, doesn't care how cold it is, whatever. And he likes to just dive in. And something as a family that we do, as soon as the sun's out, we're either out at the beach, um, we're on the ferry. He loves this little crepe shop and these big chairs that he loves to sit on. But it's hard for me because um, he's, he runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just first thing he sees, he runs. And he's so quick and he's so sneaky that sometimes I don't even know when he's going to dart. And um, one thing he likes to do is he likes to put his fingers across rails like this or like if someone's walking across their fabric of their shirt, it's a sensory thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want him touching people. Um, and the railings can kind of be scary if they're too close to the water because he'll try to go over. He said, he went on the, um, I, I told my therapist what scared me was we went to the beach and there's like this landing and it's really high on top. And he said, fall, fall, jump. Fall. I was like, no, no. And he was trying to jump up because he doesn't understand. And then my young, he wanted to go in the water. Is that, oh, okay. That's it's scary. Because the fairies right there, there's rough waters. And my youngest will try to save him. He'll always run after him. I don't want them both falling in. So when we were at this, the field trip, it was so nice because um, he got so excited. So first they sent me out and they were kind of spying on me to see how I was helping him and how he was acting. And then as soon as they came over, I just heard a scream. And I was like, I turn around just flapping and dancing and he's like kicking a little in the sand runs him grabs her hand he's holding both the hands and he's just like squeezing them and just jumping jumping. so happy it's like they're his best friends Hmm. best friends in the entire world and um then he he got into the water a little bit and um I think but we were he was secure we were all there Mm -hmm. And and I guess he learned it's cold it's not fun the shells on the bottom hurt. This is not Hawaii. This is Washington State. Seaweed on water. Yeah. He hates being dirty. Like he likes playing with sand, but he doesn't like the feeling of it staying on his end. Yeah. He doesn't like it. So, so it, so it kind of gave him an opportunity to be able to be at the beach safely. You to be able to be at the beach with support and kind of get to experience something that aligns with your family values, something that brings you all joy in a way that was supported and safe and, and hopefully leads to more opportunities to go to the beach. Would you say that that's kind of like the goal of, of the field trips? That's great. I love that. Wonderful. It didn't feel, it never feels like a therapy session. It never feels like a therapy session. Even when they're doing table work, and they have like this little thing with words with little, um, they first they had stars, but then they put apples. <laughs> he likes apples. And well, I mean, even those little things they pay attention to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's just having fun. He's just yeah. having, it's just fun. So every time they come, um, they're so excited. And then when they leave, they'll go to the window and they'll just wave like this. Oh, yeah. And then that's really nice. 
Jeremy. So Shay, it's so, it's so nice to hear that you've had this really positive experience with ABA. Um, and, and it's especially interesting that you come from the perspective of having been skeptical and having been scared and sort of seeing all this stuff on social media and in the internet that, that kind of made you hesitant. And now here you are and you, you know, you sound like you're pretty, you're really, really happy with it. What, what, how can we help other parents, um, in this journey? Like, do you have advice for other parents for, um, you know, like a takeaway for how to, um, how to, how to get here, how to get to a place of feeling comfortable, um, with ABA? Um, yeah, you just really got to fight. I mean, and this is not just for ABA, this goes for speech, you know, see any service or any school that your child will be in. I mean, honestly, neurotypical or not, you need to make sure that it's a right fit for your child, because Mm -hmm. in the end, professionals are humans and they make mistakes. They may not have the same morals and values as you do. And don't ever, this is the biggest thing I wish if I could go back and I wish I wish. Sorry. It's okay. okay. Take your time. It's okay. Yeah. It's I wish I fought more. I wish I didn't make these professionals make me feel like that my opinion doesn't matter or my feelings don't matter because I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that no one knows my child better than me. Absolutely. I'm going to you for help. And if I don't feel like you can help my child, I will go to someone and find someone that will. Mm -hmm. And you are not going to make me feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like the best way to describe it is like, I am on the front lines, not you. Mm -hmm. You guys are behind me. You guys are going to come and go, but I'm on the front lines. I'm going to be fighting for my children. You know, as much as a support system that I have, I have the greatest mother in the world. And a sister who's just probably going to fight just as much as I am. But, you know, she also has her own children. She has her own family. It's going to be me and my husband. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing I tell people, fight. And if you or a child doesn't feel comfortable going in there and you just feel like, okay, I mean, there's going to be times where they're just not in the mood, but you will know when your child doesn't feel comfortable, it's okay to say, no, Mm -hmm. I got your back. You don't want to go in there. You don't got to go today. There were some days where my son didn't want to go to school. And the teacher's like, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm like, no, I think we're going to have a mommy and Sunday. I think we'll go to the mall. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And that was one of the best things ever. We went to um, pizza place and they were very autism friendly. They even helped him with the dough and I I got connected with him. And, um, but I went with my gut. Now I go with my gut. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you're, you are. You, you're an expert in your, in your child. I mean, you know, we may be, or Ashley, BCPAs may be an expert in behavior and, you know, but, but that like, you are the expert in your child. Parents are the experts in, in their children. And, um, I love it. And I love, it's almost like, I feel like you're saying I am the champion for my child and you are lucky if you get to join our team. And I think that's the truth. Mm -hmm. That is any professional out there is lucky if they get to join mm-hmm. the team to champion for your child. I know. I want to be on your team. I know. <laughs> like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but Shay, the, I think the, the thing I, I want to highlight too is that ABA, 
you know, had you listened to some of the critics and had you, um, you know, yeah, had you listened to some of the critics, you might not have pursued ABA and that ABA has been, I don't want to say it's been a life changer, but, but I'd like to hear that piece too, because I think there are a lot of parents out there who get scared of um, social media or negative posts yeah. about ABA. And, um, and that's unfortunate because then they shy away from something that could be life-changing. Yeah. I always looked at the negative because of fear. You know, I don't want anything, mm-hmm. anyone to hurt my child. So if there's like a list of like 500 good things and there's one thing that says, oh, my child got, you know, pretty significant trauma from ABA, just one person saying it. I'm, I forget about those 50 good things. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't want him to have trauma. I don't want that one this to him. Right. Remember, right. That's yeah. their experience. That's one in odd um, ABA and everyone's experience with ABA is so different. Mm-hmm. So and different. and I, I have to wonder too. I mean, I think your advice that you gave to parents, I still have goosebumps from, a, from what you said a couple minutes ago oh. that you are the expert on your child. And so if at any time it doesn't, whatever the therapy is, whatever the, you know, provider, if it doesn't feel right, you can say that and you should. And unfortunately, I mean, I think it's unfortunate that parents are put in a position where they have to do that sometimes. Um, but you know, that, that is, is a role that, that you can take. And and we, as providers need to a change what we're doing to begin with, but also be responsive, um, and make sure that we are, um, calling parents in to be the, the expert before we try to be the expert, you know, really needs to be an equal partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, um, I don't want parents to go in and just start yelling at ABA or yelling at their therapist or anything. I mean, there's a way to approach. I mean, you get a lot more help with kindness and um, just to work with them, you know, just like, Hey, I just don't feel like my son's comfortable doing this. Can we do this instead? Or can we try this? Or can I be a part of this? Uh, you know, um, really advocate for your kid. You know, if we think about a couple episodes, we talked about ABA and really defined it as, because what, this is what it is, is the science of behavior. It's a science. And so as an applied science, the only way that we can make meaningful change is to do it within the areas, the activities, the communities where children exist. And, you know, I think if you think about anything else, now the ABA is widely covered by insurance and considered medically necessary any other medical treatment, the goal of that medical service is to make sure that you are able to access your life. And so we need to think about ABA in that same way, that if you can't access your community playground, that's what we should be focusing on in ABA, because the goal of medically necessary services is to be able to access your life in the ways that you want to in the systems and the communities that um, your family and your, you know, you are part of. And the best way to do that is to incorporate families in, mm-hmm. in the whole process. It's vital. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You have to, you can't, because I, as a BCBA, I don't know what's important to your family unless I ask and prioritize that as part of what we're doing. I, I, then otherwise I'm programming for what's important to me <laughs> or my family, you know, I'm making assumptions that I shouldn't be making. Mm-hmm. So we, ha- we have to be the ones to elevate the parent voices and make sure that we are prioritizing and listening to what the family wants to do, what the child 
um, loves and enjoys. Yeah. Especially during those first years of diagnosis. I mean, I think from like six to like 18 months to like six years old, so it's so vital. And um, the most important takeaway here is just being really conscious and really being intentional in your decisions and thinking through the pros and cons. And, and a little bit can go a long way. Having one session every other week with your BCBA for them to be coaching you and teaching you can really go a long way if you pay attention and you try and absorb the information and you really integrate it. You know, that, that can be enough. So, so I just want to say everybody makes different decisions and there's, there's no right or wrong, but, but my hope is that families will be open. Um, and, and yeah. And providers are open to being flexible and prioritizing families totally. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And even if they send you like an email of like, you know, what they saw and you can see email, you know, whenever you have time, when you're on your phone or whatever, just to be involved in some way mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. not really treat your therapist like they're babysitting your kid, yeah. you know, they're there to help your kid. Yeah. Communicate and ask questions. And just, I think the thing that I'm hearing from you, Shay, is just that it is your, it's your right to, to ask questions, to question things that you don't feel comfortable with and just to get as much information as you can. And I, and I really think providers want to provide that. And sometimes they don't know how much information parents want to have. So it's really about dialoguing, getting to know your people. And, um, and I think from what I'm hearing from you is that it can be super successful and life-changing and it's just yeah. nice to hear that. Nice to hear that. We we probably should wrap up. I think we could talk to you all day. No, we may well have but, you back. Yeah. But um, we'd love to hear something, something fun that's going on that you feel really proud of that your child is doing now. Something. Um, he's swimming. So oh, that's amazing. And um, we've been taking him to the pool on my husband. Um, and I, and we're just putting him in the water. We're trying, and we're using a lot of um, little cards and little storyboards for him. And it's working a ton. And now he's listening and he's learning how to swim. And it's hard because wow. with him, he's very distracted and he doesn't want to focus and he forget, forgets things, but he's learning and he's that's learning how to swim. Awesome. So right now we've got him to do back float. And that's, that's huge. That's, I know. I'm surprised that that'd be like, you know, just like, you know, doggy paddlers, but he's back on but then he'll just stay there. <laughs> Backloading and just going around the pool. My husband and me are just like, okay. That's such a great safety skill, though. That's I mean, just so knowing important. to be able to 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 backfloat when you get in water is yeah. awesome. That's huge. I thought he would. To be honest, I thought he wasn't going to be able to because you know you read things and and sometimes what the psychologist said in evaluation um, can scare you, and mm-hmm. those thoughts will stay with you. Mm-hmm. But, um, They'll echo. We kept fighting. We kept yeah. fighting for him. Like, nope, you're going to do this. And he's doing it. He's I doing it. it. And swimming is like, it's a safety skill, but it's super fun. And yes. I'm looking outside right now and we have, it looks like the second day of sunshine in Seattle this <laughs> summer. So it's finally here. Yeah. Oh, we need sunshine. So well, I wish you a summer full of swimming fun. Yeah. And it has been such a pleasure to talk to you, Shay. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for coming and talking to us well. today. You guys are wonderful people. And I'm happy that you guys made the decision to be who you are and go in the career that you're going in and helping these kids. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. All right. See you right. next time. Bye. Bye.
This podcast represents the opinions of Drs. Ashley Penny and Jessica Greenson and our guests on the show. The content here should not be taken as clinical or medical advice and is for information purposes only. Because each child is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional with any specific questions. Views and opinions expressed on the podcast are our own. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we're sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast, and in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. Thank you.